welcome to the Dr. Dion Show, where real conversations about diversity matter. I'm an educator and consultant specializing in diversity and inclusion. In this show, I interview top experts and people like you and me, highlighting issues like race, gender, and disability. I'm here to create change, expand your understanding of what diversity means, and to continue the mission toward equality so that everyone has a fair shake. This show is not for the faint of heart, so put on your big girl and big boy pants and ride along. Hello and welcome to the Dr. Dion Show. If you've tuned in today, you are in for a treat. You're going to thank yourself because I'm joined by one of the greatest minds in business. He is the CEO. <laughs> Look at this. Reaction. He's the CEO of a multi-million dollar company. He's a motivational speaker, best-selling author, great person. Welcome, Bill Woodich. You know, can I, can I use that for the opening of every one of my shows? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Just make sure you get the credit where it's due, though. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> it is so great to be, you know, I had you on The Unstoppables, and I loved the experience. Because with you, it's an experience. Oh, so I'm, I'm, No, it is. So I'm looking forward to, and I learn, and I'm looking forward to another one with you. So thank you very much. I am honored to be on your show. Well, thank you so much, Bill. I was happy to be, I was happy to be on your show as well. It was, we had a good time. It was really a, a great conversation, very fruitful, and we're going to continue that today. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Sounds great. So I just shared that you're a best-selling author, and I wanted to talk about your book, uh, your first book, because you actually just got another book deal. We'll talk about that in a, in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. um, but I want to talk about your book, Always Forward. What does that mean? Where does well, that come from? Well, Dion, it's, great. It's, a, it's, it's an interesting question. And I'm a success, motivate. I come with this inspiration inside, I get out of bed, the glass is not only half full, it's overflowing. So I'm an, I have the optimist gene, and I wanted to write my first book around positivity and how I did things and how so I could help people to find the positive in things and move forward in an always forward fashion. My editor pulled, pulled me aside and said, you're gonna write about fear. I said, what? Mm. He said, uh, and, th and this is the key, and you know this in, in your life and what you've moved through and overcome. He said, the first barrier you have to go through to become successful is fear. He said, why do your salespeople sit in the office and don't go out and meet clients? Why do they make files when they should be making calls? Fear. You're going to write about fear. It took me three and a half, four years just to research fear. And I learned so much about it. I actually started to fear more than I ever did, but I learned about it. I, I, no, I wish I would have known that then. So always forward is about overcoming fear, the barrier, the obstacle, and then moving forward in seven steps to create a better, better life for yourself. Okay, that's great. And so what motivated you? Let's, let's take you back. So I, I, I just shared that you are a, a CEO of a multi-million dollar company. Mm -hmm. However, you start off by humble, with humble beginnings. So can you, can you talk about some moments early on in your career before you even got to where you are now, where you, where you had fear and yeah. how, how did you, how did that kind of be pulled into your book? You know, and that's it. Well, I'm going to segue that, that because that, that's very important for understanding the, the nature and how you can use fear. Is that my fear growing up was that I was never going to know, I never knew really what we'd have for dinner because we ate out of dented soup cans and they had no labels on them. My uncle used to bring them from the grocery store and give them to us. So we had hand-me-down clothes, uh, we didn't have any money. My father was a state policeman. Uh, he couldn't exist on that salary. My mother stayed home for a while, and then she had to go to work too as a nurse. So, but we never knew 
we never knew or thought it was poverty and we never knew what we didn't have. Mm. You know, we never knew what we didn't have. But as I got older, I started to realize well, we don't have the means to do anything that we really want in terms of choice. We have to do forced choice or hand-me-downs. So that fear of living that type of life was, was kind of inside me as a motivator. Mm-hmm. But I still, my nature is to be a rebel and to kind of go against the grace is my nature. I love that. I, love I know that. it is. So you know what I did? I, I, a town of 3,800 people. Western PA, right? I grew my hair, and this was against my father's wishes, and he was disciplinarian, smoked cigarettes, mm-hmm. and went to work in a factory. And my friends either went to work in the factory with me, or they went on to school. I didn't want to go to school, never brought home a book. <laughs> I tell you what, Dr. Dion, here's the thing. If you want to be scared straight, go do something like that for a while. You'll get, you'll get your religion real quick. Doing that, I had a foreclosed future. I didn't, I trudged in the snow on the way to the factory, punched in, punched out, put three holes in a piece of wood for eight hours and called it good. That was my, that was it. That was my future. So that's how it started in terms of, uh, I'm starting to make this, had this feeling that is this all there is? Is this all there is? And it was almost suffocating. Mm -hmm. And, and I had the chance. My parents did give me a huge break. They said, you got to get the loans but we'll do our part to send you to school. And they used to send boxes of like, you know, sundry items and stuff like that. But we'll do our part to send you to school. But, and I said, yes. They said, but you didn't hear our conditions. I don't care. I'm getting out of here. And the conditions were you, you can't mess up this time. You have to actually apply yourself. So that's where Always Forward started right there. Mm, I love that. I love that. And you went on to get your master's degree as well? I, I understood for the first time where I looked at fear. And you know what mine was? It was showing up, doing everything I could and being less than, and not coming up to my own expectations. My definition of success is the realization of my expectations. And I, what happened if I tried and I didn't make it? I, I, that was the part that really stopped me at first. Yes, but, yes. The pain, but the pain of going back to the factory trumped everything. So I learned how to learn, applied myself, got my master's degree, and came out with uh, a, a cocky attitude, $200 to my name, one suit, and one tie. I was ready to roll. And you, and you ended up, <laughs> as you are today, and you ended up uh, being a successful salesperson? At, at yeah, a yeah, it was funny. Well, here it is. I was ready to roll, but I didn't have a car. So, <laughs> and I didn't want to sell. To me, selling is the worst word in the English dictionary. I didn't want to sell. I didn't want to sell insurance. Oh, my. So, it was, it was corporate insurance where you're selling to businesses. Didn't care. Didn't want to do it. 86 applicants, one job. I got it, probably by default, probably felt sorry for me. Same tie, same corduroy suit. Wow. My mother gave me a brown oxidized station wagon. Good luck, son. Go make it happen. <laughs> See, <laughs> now, now this is, this is a, a, a diversity conversation that matters because when people think about diversity, they think about race and gender, mm. but, there's, but there's also class. Absolutely. So, so you started off with, with pretty much nothing. And, um, well, sorry, you had good parents clearly and mm-hmm. guidance and mm-hmm. the fact that you didn't know that you were that you that you were um i wouldn't say that you were poor but um i am I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna connect you on that because i i growing up my parents also we had humble beginnings 
but I always felt like I was, I was full. Like I always felt like I was given the tools that I needed. I never was told I should compare myself to anybody else. And that led me to actually move ahead and not to believe that anyone was further ahead than I was at any given point, but I was just on my own journey and I was going to be successful regardless. And that's, that's a gift that, that's really, that, that can really be given by, by parents um, when you're younger. That is beautiful teaching. If you can, if you can somehow limit the comparison to others, and I call it the relative standard of comparison, mm. who's got what, who doesn't have this, who has this advantage, who doesn't have this, and focus on yourself, you'll keep moving. If you move through fear, you'll keep moving ahead. That, that is a great gift. I mean, it's a gift that keeps on giving today. Absolutely. I would think. But you know what? Here's the thing that I talk about diversity. And my territory, and I was a Yankee, fast-talking Yankee from the North, and they put me in the South. I was in Richmond, Virginia. And so uh, they were still, I hate to say this to my friends in Richmond, but it was still vestiges of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, I, my territory was the poor part of Richmond, the poor South, and small floral shops and uh, much diversity. But I loved it because pe- to me, people are people. And, I, and when I stopped following their script, I lost 13 times following Liberty Mutual's script. And I just said, I'm going to meet this person as a person, ask them where they're from, ask them why they started this and, and what's their kick in life. I started winning. So it was no longer about selling. It was about relationships, which is everything to do with selling. And, and, and being, being yourself and being who you are as a person. Because no. there's, yeah. there's nothing more of a turnoff than somebody calling you and you can tell they're reading from a script. And you can tell them <laughs> they're being disingenuous. Like, I, like, who are you? I want to know who you are. I want to connect to you. Although, otherwise, I, won't, I, don't feel like, I don't feel inclined to to um to 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 want to buy from you even when you go to a, a, a grocery store or a shoe store like you could tell the people that i mean they just know their stuff i went i was at a shoe store this weekend this guy was was teaching me about the, the, the soul of the, of the shoe it was like it's incredible like he knew he knew his craft and and i and i love that because because it's it's it's, it's showing that you have discipline and it's showing that you have pride in what you're doing regardless of where you are you've got pride in what you're doing see he wasn't selling you he was teaching and enrolling you and there's the difference right there. But you're right about that. And I, I, to this day, will not hire these people. I don't hire people who come from a place of entitlement. I, I like to hire like, kind, and quality. Maybe it's just my thing. I like a fracture. I like people who need it. People come from meager backgrounds, people who are hungry. You give me hungry, you give me hungry in a relative intelligence, and I'll trump any kind of Ivy League school because I've had them in here who yeah. doesn't have that same drive and willpower and can always go back to plan B, which is I got to trust my. Uh, <laughs> not, but, but what that person's doing, he was enrolling, and that is the, the highest form of sales by teaching and not trying to be something. You know what the biggest thing that got me ahead? I told them this is called cognitive dissonance. Uh-huh. I would tell them what I wasn't. I'm not the biggest. I'm that. not the best at this. I don't do this very well. And they say, mm, well, now what do you do? So then now they're listening, not hearing. That was my biggest thing is to tell, be honest with them. Just tell them, hey, I don't do all these things real well. So now, have you always been comfortable in your own skin? No. Okay. No, because, because as I started to become a success, and whatever, I hate that word, because I think it's always a process, but, but when I started to do really well, I became the top salesperson at Liberty in two years. Mm-hmm. My persona took on that ego of being that special person in, living in a rarefied air, and I thought I was worthy of more. And then when I became the top salesperson for two years out of three, in the uh, a major international firm, I, I knew the world owed me something. Nothing will true up your arrogance, okay? 
<laughs> It'll smack you like it did me right in the backside on the top of the mountain in Switzerland. It said, is this all there is? And then I got the big wham when I started my own company and learned, oh, right, maybe I ain't that great. There's a lawsuit coming behind me because I can't take all these millions of dollars away without penalty from my current client. Maybe this is the world showing me that I'm not special after all. That's where I got my comeuppance. And then I learned humility. Yes. That's like a little humble pie, right? Yeah, I have to. I got, well, I ate a whole lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how, what would you say to, to, to somebody who, who is listening to you today, who has who come from humble beginnings and is striving to be successful or who's trying to who's striving to be more than what they are? What, what, what kind of advice would you give to somebody? I know you're a motivational speaker and, and it's always amazing to listen to you. So I think the most important thing you have when you enter a room is confidence because people are going to buy emotionally first. They're, they're, it's not thought and they're going to feed off your confidence. Mm -hmm. So first thing you can, you're never going to seed. You're never going to give up your value, but you got to grow your value. So sometimes from humble beginnings, we don't think we're worthy of it. We don't think we should be across the table from an, from a fortune 500 company. Yes, you should. If you've got value, if you've got confidence and if you have self-belief and a really good product, the products you. So I had, tremendous confidence and I always thought that that ego which I had with talent I had some you know is confidence ego without talent is arrogance but when you show up prepared like you like you said authentic you're real and you understand that you deserve it as much as anyone else if you work for it man confidence is the beginning of everything Okay, so let's play devil, devil's advocate because there's some people, and I, we actually, we talked about this uh, when I was on your show a few months ago. Not everybody appreciates confidence. Not, mm -hmm. every, not everybody appreciates somebody who walks into a room and just knows who they are and they're comfortable in their own skin. And, um, and so they find ways to, 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 to bring you down and, to, and to, 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 to minimize you and say, you're not, you're not as great as you think you are. How do you handle those kind of situations? It's called the nature of humans and human nature. And what you have to do at all times is be yourself and stay yourself with understanding one thing. Young salesperson came to me one day and said, why won't these people talk to me? And I said, how many? Four or five, six. Can you convince them to talk to me? No. Some people don't like the way you look. Some people are, it's instinct. They're not going to like the way you look. They don't like the way you sound. Maybe it's something that threatens their sense of security or self and that it just puts them in a position where they want to deal with people that they can control. You don't want to deal with that kind of person. It's a lot. No, it's a lot of 33 and a third percent. 33 and a third percent of people are going to come to you and say, you know, I really appreciate your platform. Love you. Already bought into it. 33 and a third percent, they ain't going to buy your religion. They're atheists. They ain't going to ever buy it. They don't believe in God. They ain't coming. Okay. It's the middle you got to win. The yeah. ones that are uncertain. And that's the key. Don't take it personal. Make sure you understand that you don't want to ever sacrifice your value. You don't want to give up your self-respect. The first time you give up your self-respect, you're done. You're a doormat. You're used. You're out. Bill, don't I'm with you on that. And, and um, you know, I've been, I've been accused of being a little too cold in this, in this matter because I really, I, I'm like, if you do that to me, I'm, I'm done. And I'll, I'll share an example. So I was invited to a, uh, a pretty major event uh, by, by, the, the, by the head person of the, of the event. And uh, so I was seated at a table close to the, you know, close to the front and I sat down and not one person said hello. Not one person acknowledged me. I made one attempt to say oh, you know, hello and, and you just dismissed me. So you know, fine. So if you're gonna dismiss me, I'm not going on my way to, I don't need to, to beg you for your, for your attention. Yeah. And then what was interesting is after the program, the head honcho who invited me to the event came to the table and said, hey, Dion, hi, I'm so glad you made it. 
all of a sudden, after he leaves, all of them want to start talking to me now. It's like, you know what? No, no, no. I was the same person an hour ago. But yet you decided that I was not worthy. For whatever reason, you, I was not worthy. So you know what? Just keep it the way it is and stop talking to me because I don't want to talk to you now because I know exactly who you are. And, it, and, and, it's, and it's, it's unfortunate. And I, I used to get upset about it, but I actually laugh at it now because to your point, I think people, I think people are, have different degrees of, of, of pain. And I think yeah. based upon how much pain you have, that yeah. determines how, how, how receptive and how open and how nice you are to other people. And I'm not going to take on your mess. So that's just my No, opinion. don't take on their mess. <laughs> It, what, what, what happened is you got instant credibility and people wanted to know how you got that credibility and who you were. And they didn't care where you were just sitting there as a person. They didn't really want to know the person. They didn't want to know where you were from, what you did or how, but all of a sudden you got credibility and now they want to know how you got that credibility, how that, how you became distinctive and they want that. So that's what they're coming for. Well, you know what? I had credibility before you came to the table. <laughs> so that's right, and, and they didn't care. And they didn't care to find out. They didn't care. And and what bothers me is is that I don't believe in it's, it's diversity and inclusion, and mm. I don't believe in exclusionary behaviors. That's an exclusion. Mm. I, I I can see it with children children on the playground on the playground, but adults at a at a at a, at a mm. major function where everyone's dressed in their their their, their best dressed, and that's just it's unacceptable to me. And I think it's just mm. it's just awful. For people to do that. Adults don't behave that way. They should not no, be the same. No, but a lot of it goes back, and I hate to bring this up as an indictment, but a lot of it goes back to parenting. Because when Absolutely. people come, you, you know, here's two things. I was at this uh, a dinner in San Diego. There's a huge bodyguard down there, and he was he was excluded from all the all of the party. There's 33 old white guys and me. And I wasn't old then. And and, and I brought him up to my table. He said, I can't do that. I said, Who says you can't do that? I'm part of this deal. Sat next to me, we became best friends. I said, you're going to eat with me. You can do these things. And I had a driver the other day drive me. I haven't seen him for 14 years. He said, you took me to this restaurant, made me go in there with you. Didn't want to do it. I ate this and I ate that. And you, uh, you just changed. You're just a special person the way you treat everybody the same. And I'm thinking, well, why aren't we all the same? You know, has anyone, why aren't we all the same? So I will talk with everybody, especially the ones that people aren't talking to, probably the most interesting ones. I agree with you. And, and, and to that point, you can learn from anybody. If you, oh. if you can, there are so many lessons that you can get from people, just like a doorman or even just, you know, I, I used to work in a school and um, I was taught back to parenting that it doesn't matter whether someone's a janitor or the principal, you treat them the same, the same way. Yes. And it's called character. Ex exactly. Exactly. And so let's talk about that for a second, for a second, because, because you're, you're a, a successful businessman. And how do you assess character? You mentioned um, hiring people and you don't like people who have, you know, the trust funds and have not, have not necessarily worked for their, for their stuff. How do you assess character when, you, when, you, when you're hiring? I'm going to answer it first. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. He's, Ali said something that I follow. He said, I don't care you know, how you treat me, or, but I care how you treat the doorman and the waitress because that's how you treat me if I didn't have anything. And so uh, character is manifested through action, consistent action. And I think that I coach everyone on this one part. Don't buy things at face value. Trust is earned. Only the fool grants trust. So what you want to do with character and what I've always done is I am, I treat people who serve me, the waiters, as friends. I become, I ask them where they're from. I get to know them. And it's incredible because I just, I'm interested in their story. And yeah. you, can, you can learn so much. You, I mean, you learn some incredible stuff. You really can if you're open to the lesson. But yeah. most of us are shut up in our own little world. But to me, character is manifested by your actions and it really holds your values. The key, the glue to life, to me, to happiness, is to be consistent and true to your values. Mm -hmm. And then your character from there is how you do things and what you do when no one's looking. 
and how you treat people who can't do anything, who can't do anything for you. Yes. Those are the people I want in my company because those are the ambassadors for the brand that I want to extend the brand. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the key ways toward what we call success. I love that. I love that. So, so not compromising. So, so if you are, and we've seen this where people have been faced with, I guess, options that, that, that make them or, or, or force them to compromise. They want something so badly that they compromise their principles and their, and, and their, and their character and that it, it, it never really ends well anyway. But, but so, so I'm with you in that it, it, it makes no sense to compromise who you are as a person. Um, at the end of the day, you have to go to bed at night it's between you and, and whatever spirit, God, whatever you call, and, and, and that quiet moment of, before you fall asleep, you have to look, you have to think about who you, who you are as a person. And what did I do today that was, that was of character and not of character? And, and, I, and, and so if, if I do something wrong, I know because I don't do anything, I, I try and do anything intentionally to hurt anybody. So I know if someone says to me, Dion, you know, you really hurt me, I know that I, it, was not, it was not intentional because I, I, I'm of character. And I try to make sure that whatever I do is an extension of, of how I was raised to have good character. You probably like me. I sleep really well. Oh, absolutely. Really, absolutely. Sleep. But here's what you're talking about. And this is what we do very well. I, I coach the salespeople in here on this. Do not make the Faustian bargain. The Faustian bargain is a deal with the devil where you sell your soul. Mm. Don't sell your soul no matter how big the money. Take the money out of the equation to make the best decision. But if you focus too much on the money, six-figure, seven-figure deals are going to sway your balance, maybe your moral compass. Yes. So we're all great at this. But only this one time we can rationalize. Only this one time. It only takes one time to impugn your character. You'll never get it back. So I'm very, very careful about taking that off the table and doing things the right way, regardless of what the outcome is and how much I want the money or the reward that's in it. But I had to learn that because I used to compromise my self-worth by doing these things for people. You know, let me set your dinner up. Let me buy you this. Let me do this. To want to be liked and you're, you're not happy. That's right. You put value on yourself. Don't rationalize it and always live that, that life and you're going to be happy. Her. I love that. So, so you were given a good a, a, a break. Your parents um, said, you know, that they're going to help you. Uh, you, you couldn't fail um, going back yes. to school. Can you pinpoint a, a, a moment, a time, a person where, where you got another big break that, that allowed you to kind of get to the next level in terms of your business and opportunity? Well, yeah, I got a really good break at school. I was um, at Purdue. I, was, I went to the head of the political science department. He was one of the most brilliant men, intimidating you know, intimidating brilliance, called on me the very first day of class. I broke out into a sweat, didn't know the answer, and just excoriated me with, and I went up to him and I asked him very humbly with hat in hand, I said, Dr. McClure, his name is Bill McClure, would you please think about writing a letter for me? I want to go to law school, so I need a, a, a reference letter. He looked at me, up, and he pushed his glasses up, and he said, can I ask to which school would you you'd like to attend? And I said, I asked something mid-tier. He said, why? I said, well, I belong lower mid-tier. Um, you don't know where I'm from. He said, I may not know where you're from, but I know where you can go. And you can go top tier. And I, I didn't. I, I settled for mid-tier. Um, at a lower tier, I got in, but never went. Thought about, do I really want to put in three years of hard work after learn, taking four to really bust my butt? And I went on to get uh, my master's degree. But that's where I learned that I'm – I can take on any opportunity. I thought I walked away. It's the first, that, that was the very, really first time I walked away from a fear made me walk. And instead of pursuing that opportunity, instead of doing that, I walked from it. And I, I learned right there, never do that again. And I didn't. 
So now do you regret that? No, because it's turned out pretty well. I, I, you know? I don't think so. <laughs> No, because you know, you know, you can't play the hypothetical in your head. And yeah. the one thing, the one thing that I think you and I share with this, and we should have a talk about this sometime, is my biggest fear now. This is an overriding fear: is regret. I don't want to leave it now in this vessel, in this mind. I want to share it with others so they can do something with it, it, it their way. It's not my success; it's theirs. So I don't want to be on the park bench of regret, where I'm sitting there, not able to do something at an older stage and age in life, regretting that I didn't do it. I'm gonna do it now. Can I mess it up? Absolutely. But would I feel better about messing it up and trying? Yes. Just yes. don't live with regret. And, and I, I love that. And, and I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think if, you, if you don't try something that breeds the regret and, and you, th- you, you start saying, okay, what if, what if, what if, what if? And so I, I, I'm, I'm, as you speak, and I remember, I remember when my, my first book came out and I was in New York, I was at Book Expo America and I had, I had planned to go and, 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 and meet with this, this pretty prominent person. He was speaking, didn't see him. And then lo and behold, I went to the gym. This is the trouble, being being disciplined. Four o'clock in the morning, I forgot my stuff. I just got up and just washed my stuff out. And I said, you know, I'm going to go to the gym at six o'clock in the morning. I walk into the gym. I'm on the treadmill and then I'm running. And and someone walked in behind me, a shadow behind me. Would you believe it was the person I'd gone to book Expert America to speak to? <laughs> so I literally sat with my girlfriend. Should I talk to him? I don't, I don't know what I don't I end up saying, I went, end up with, I said to him, you know what? I'm going to speak to him now. Because I didn't want to have that regret and say, you know what? If I didn't That's take right. that moment, what would have happened? When right. spoke to him, and the next week he put me on his radio show. See? And that, and that was a huge lesson just to go for it. Because if you don't go for it, you have all these, mm-hmm. these, these, these moments where, 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 where you, 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 that you could have had. And you don't know what could have happened. So many things happen when you put yourself in play. It opens up so many permutations for your future that you would never have. You just, but we don't do that. We don't like to be uncomfortable and we like our comfort and we like to think about security, but to do what you did probably made you a little uncomfortable, but that's all part of, of achievement. That's the part of achievement. And, and you know what? Let, let me say this about what I learned at school from Purdue is that when I was in Richmond, then I learned to go after the biggest, the biggest, and I, would, I was getting into Fortune 500 companies because I wasn't going to let that stop me, not thinking that I wasn't good enough. So the lesson played itself forward and it paid itself forward because that's when I started to kill it. I love that. I love that. And so what about the people who don't have good parents, like how we were raised? And who I, we I, well, I, I can say this from a distance and sound like it's a, it's, it'll all sound, almost sound trite. It's been overused that I, I would suggest to people that you are not your condition of your past unless you choose to be that the past you have to understand for what it is. If you can, you have to always accept it for what it is or what it was. And you have to be able to at the highest level forgive because you will never be able as a person to live your life. And now it's about your life. You're not your parents anymore. You're not going to let those skeletons in your past control you. You're not. You're going to live right now and make your way forward based on what you're doing and what you want for your life. Now, it's easier said than done. Got it. But you've got to be able to look back there, see it for what it is, not candy coat it, and then make your move forward. Because a lot of people don't have that type of parenting. They're fractured. But yeah. it stop, didn't stop them from being incredible successes. They use that as fuel for, for gain. And I, I admire that. I want those people. You send them to me. <laughs> no, send them to me. <laughs> and I see over your, over your shoulder the unstoppables. Yes, that is part. Send those people to me, please. (laughs) They do real well here. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) So, so that kind of segues or ties into the whole notion of intention into dollars. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? 
Well, you could sit in the couch. You could have all these wishes. And I see people do this every day. We're going to change the world. We're going to make a million dollars. We're going to do all these things. Those are just intentions. Unless you get off that couch or get out of the house and make those things happen, they're just dreams. So my intentions are, yes, you have to intend for it to happen in terms of visualization. But then right away, you got to take actions to make that visualization a reality or you're only living in fantasy. Mm-hmm. So it's, Unstoppables is about people like you who overcome certain things and had the will and the skill, had the will skill and the, the, and the quality of your person keeps driving you forward. You're not stopping. You keep going. And everyone on the show has that common theme that something was their defining moment. They took it, they learned from it, and they kept moving forward. Great, great examples for people to learn from. Absolutely. And so we did talk about just now about, about the, the quote unquote haters. Now, how do you talk, how do you address the people who, who are close to you? We talked with this on, when I was on your show that sometimes the, the people who, who want to hold you back are in your family. Oh, you mean most of them? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, we can talk. Well, you know, <laughs> Tim's story does a great job on talking about low ceilings of expectation in his house. And he talked about it. They really, they really mirrored the metaphorical house he had. So it was a metaphor. But it was true in my house because people like to play it safe in my house, except for me. So they looked and said, I want everything inside the white picket fence. And I said, I want everything outside there. So my mother used to stop me. What? You got a good job here. You, you should just stay here. My brother, you're a big fish in this pond in Virginia. Don't go to California. They'll eat you alive. They're... And you know, it, so you're always pulling the resistance most of the time against the people that are close to you because they think, and there's three types of advice you get. I do believe this. You know, I, I think you'll love this. There's the well-intended, and that's your family. For the, for the most part, for the most part, it's your family. Well-intended. There's the misguided, and sometimes the well-intended are misguided. And then there's the malicious. Uh-huh. They just want to do, they don't want to see you get ahead. They want to see you burn. They want to see you crash, but they're going to pull against you until you make it. When you start making it, it's like, hey, I was your biggest champion, your biggest supporter, because now they want something oh, from you. But you know what you deal with that is that you've got to be strong enough in your own conviction. Yeah. You got to know your conviction. You got to know your dream. You got to live that dream by taking action. I think that's the difference is action. And people say, uh, if you sit around in inertia, not doing anything, you're going to just worry. You're going to listen to the people that are, are the haters or the people that are the naysayers. You are never going to move ahead. But if your convictions are strong enough and if your dreams are real enough, you will make it happen. I hear you. And I, I will share with, I like your three, your three um, 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 types of advice, uh, people, because one thing that I had to learn earlier on was differentiating between which one is which. There, <laughs> there are times where I thought I was speaking to people who I thought were, had, had good intentions for me, but they turned out to be malicious. And, and it was, and being blindsided, it was, it was very difficult. Like I, I have lost friendships over, over the years and, and people who I thought was, who are my champions because of that reason. So it, it, over time, I guess you, you kind of develop a thick skin. You kind of learn to, to decipher who's who, but um, it's, it's difficult when you're trying to, to, to better yourself and just be who you are. And the part of the, of the deciphering, it's a good word, process is we take things you and I, I think a gut feel emotion is very strong for us. And most people are emotional, emotionally driven first. But we need to get to the top part of our brain, the CEO part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex. We need to think, we need to ask one question. All of us come from a, our own personal agenda and motive. As much as we think we're altruists and we want to make and change the world, we do, but that's our agenda and motive. So I'm, you're, you're coming to me or I'm coming to you or I'm talking with someone, I got my own agenda and motive. It might be for your welfare, absolutely. But you've got to think about this. What's in it for that person? 
Why is Susie, Sally, or Bob coming to me with this advice? What's in it for them? I know it sounds cynical, but you got to start checking that box. When you start to learn what's in it for them, and that's a process, then you'll know because there's always something. Here's what I talk about in my book. There's a bullfight. There's a cape and there's a sword. The bull gets distracted by the cape. We're the bull. Can we see the cape? We see the cape. And it's a sword that kills us. You got to know where the sword is, okay? It's out there, it's out there sometimes. I love that. Wow. And, and would you say that, that it gets sharper the higher you go? Oh, yeah. It cuts deeper. Mm-hmm. It cuts deeper. Trust is earned, not granted. And I have a very, very, very small circle of associates and friends that give me advice on things, and then I take it against my own value system, yes. my own needs and wants, and I take action accordingly. But I'm not going to give them my whole entire, you know, plot my future for me. Tell me what's best for me. Bullshit. Don't do that. I agree. So, so not, not substituting someone else's beliefs or thoughts for, for your own. Because then you'll be living by proxy because then you're living their life. You're not living your own life. That's the whole thing about getting over your past condition. You got to live your life. You get one of them. Live it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I guess, so we've talked about your, your, your upcoming book, which is, which is, which is failure. I, I guess mm-hmm. we've already been talking about that. Is there, is it, what's, 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 what is the, the, the takeaway for, you, for your, your, your upcoming book? And I, I remember congratulating you on, on LinkedIn for your, for your new book deal, which is awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Again. you know, well, why do they give me topics like fear and failure to write about? Do I look like <laughs> <laughs> Why do they give me something easy? Why can't I just do a 10x be obsessed kind of book where I can just free flow it? <laughs> because you're real and, and they know you're going to get a, they're gonna get, you're gonna get a real analysis of things. Yeah, you got to write a real how-to too. You can't just go out there and do like, hey, you got to get over it. But, but Failmore is the only, it's always forward turned inside out. And by inside out means that's the back room. You know, they say in uh, our business that you, really don't want to see how the sausage is made. You just want to buy, buy the sausage because you don't want to see what's going on back. But you've got to give them the back room of, of what it takes to be successful. And you're going to put yourself in positions to fail every day if you're ever going to move forward. Or you're going to think you're stopped and think you can be safe and you're going to go backwards. Failure is a part of what we do every day. Make a phone call, come off, not right, we adapt, we change. But we have to learn from what it is we didn't do the first time that we can correct. And that's how we learned how to walk. You know, as babies, that's how we learned how to walk, by failing. There is nothing we can do without failure. We have to learn to embrace it as a welcome, as a welcome part of our, uh, you know, armor. We do. We just need to bring it into the house. I said this on Steve Harvey, and I, I, he, he liked this one line. He's the only one he liked, probably. But I said it is the serious student of success who welcomes, you know, failure as that indispensable teacher. Because you aren't going to get... His thing is, you know, act like it, jump, you're going to fail, but you are. If you're yeah. ever going to get anything in life, you got to put yourself in position to fail. Absolutely. And, 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 and pick yourself up after you, something's gone wrong and just try again. Yes. And, and, yeah. We're all going to get stung by the emotional lacerations of failure. Yes. And I don't care what you call it. I was on a show the other day with Forbes Riley. I don't, I don't care what you want to call it. Euphemistically. Uh, I, I sat back. I stubbed my toe. Hey, you failed. The end of the day is failure. So call it what it is. That's right. I love that. And and if you go to one door and it's closed, you just keep knocking on others until until one opens. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's resourcefulness and resilience. Absolutely, absolutely. What takes? Well, well, uh, well, this has been a really, really deep um, and fruitful conversation. And I, I'm sure who who was listening is is has gotten something out of this. So what, so what would you say? What's your takeaway? What would you say to people who are listening? What's your, what's your, what's, what's the one line that you would give to somebody? 
Well, the first thing I'm going to say is they should listen to your show more because I was sitting here the whole, no, I'll tell you why. Cause now I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit envious because I'm thinking this is a really good show. It's not because of me. Uh, this is a really good show because it's because you're asking great questions and maybe I better sharpen my interview. <laughs> interviewer skills because you're asking great. That, no, that, that, that's my take. My takeaway is this for everybody. And, and, and this is this, you get one life, live your life. You are authoring every day. Every day, the story of your life. Make it a book where every page is something that people can learn from, to grow from, to become more. Make every page that intrepid, that intrepid way forward. It will include failures, but it will also include achievements and successes that could not have happened without the failure. That's my walk away. Drop the mic. You are a phenomenal host. Man, you just kicked my ass on hosting. Start with that. Come on. <laughs> I appreciate you. I, I'm so happy you came on today. Thank you so much. And right. thank you to the viewers for listening. And if you like what you heard today, go to my iTunes page and write a comment. And where can people find you, Bill? At Bill Woodich, W-O-O-D-I-T-C-H, or BillWoodich.com, where you can see me jumping around, running around, and all the things I'm doing. Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of things. And you, you were fantastic again. Thank you. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have you back on my show. I'm just going to take your questions and ask you. Oh, I can't no, wait. That will make it good. Let's do it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Bill. Thank you. Love you. Thank you. Love you. Bye-bye.